Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. I just want to say thank you to our pastors, Pastor Eric and Heather, who are the best pastors that you will find anywhere. Thank you on behalf of the church. This isn't just for me. Thank you for believing in us. Thank you for trusting us. Thank you for being our pastors. We, we love you, and I'm, I'm so honored to be here. Pastor Eric has been in a, an amazing series called The Door is Open. I feel like I need to open this door right here. There we go. The door is open, ladies and gentlemen. He's been in this series the last few weeks. Uh, it's, been, it's been a really incredible series. Uh, we've been in a, a scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 9. I'm going to read verse 8 and 9. It says, But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. So what we've been learning is that a door is an opportunity. And we're believing as a church and individually that this year the door is open for you in every area of your life. And it's time to start seeing that. It's time to start walking through that. There's an opportunity. There's opportunities for you. And, and whenever you read after, a, I probably read all 150 plus references to a door in the scripture because I was like, I got to I got to prepare this right. I got to know what I'm talking about. And so like I've been working this week to make sure I understand this. Uh, a door is an opportunity and you can replace the word door in the scripture with opportunity. It'll give it a, an entirely new context. And you'll find that th- this scripture is interesting because he's saying a, a door has opened to me and there are many adversaries. It's almost like the door or the opportunity and the adversaries go hand in hand. It's almost like when there's an adversary, there's a door. And I think that that's part of of what he is telling us here. He says a great and effective, great, a big, important, splendid, effective, a powerful, gets the job done door. This is a great opportunity that the Apostle Paul has been presented with right here. And to give you a little context, so he's on his third missionary journey at this point. And he is, he's on his way. Uh, he stops at a place of Ephesus in, in verse 8. He's saying, I'm going to tarry in Ephesus because a great and effective door has opened to me here. And uh, you may recognize the word Ephesus because he wrote the letter of Ephesians to this church. That's who this was sent to. And, and I started wondering, what if, what if Paul hadn't have taken this opportunity? What if he had overlooked it? What if he had seen the adversary, seen the opposition and said, you know what? I'm just going to go a different way. I'm just going to go a different route. No, he stopped. And he said, hey, there's, there's adversaries, but there's an opportunity. And, and I wondered, what if he wouldn't have taken it? How would that have affected, affected us today? Because he didn't even write the book of Ephesians until much later on in his ministry. Would he have still written that? Would it have been different? Would this have affected what we believe today? Would we have been able to read things like just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love? How would that have affected us? But he took this opportunity. He didn't let the adversary stop him. He didn't let the problem stop him, but he took it. He did not miss that door. He didn't pass it up. I'm going to be reading to you a scripture from Hosea chapter 2. We're going to read verses 14 and 15. It says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her, will bring her into the wilderness, and speak comfort to her. I will give her the vineyards from there, and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. This morning, I'm going to be talking to you about the door of hope. A door is an opportunity, and hope is a confident expectation of something good. And to give you a little context of of what's going on right here, the book of Hosea is one big metaphor that, that is relating 
God, uh, his love for his people. And what's happening in the book of Hosea is there's a prophet named Hosea, and God tells this prophet to go and marry a harlot or a prostitute. And so this prophet, Hosea, he goes and he marries a woman named Gomer. And they have kids with each other. And then later on, Gomer ends up leaving him and going back to that life of harlotry. But he goes and he buys her back. And it's, it's a beautiful story. But, but God gives us this story to show us how much he loves us and how much he loved his people. Um, because at this time, his people, they were not the people of Israel. They were not following his statutes. They were not following his laws. They had turned their backs from him. They were worshiping other gods. And God is giving us this metaphor to say, hey, even though you've turned your back from me, even though you've run away from me, I'm still going to welcome you back into my arms. And so he's speaking to his people through the prophet Hosea. And verse 15 says, I will give her her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope which that already sounds really cool, right? But we got to know what the Valley of Achor is. So we're going to backtrack a little bit. We're going to go through some scriptures, which I know you're expecting because we've got an amazing pastor who preaches from the scriptures. He preaches truth. And so we're going to have to give a little context of this. So bear with me for just a minute. The context actually is found uh, in, in Joshua chapter 6. This is actually where Pastor Eric left off in one of his messages a few weeks ago, and this just worked out really well. Uh, we pick up in, in Joshua chapter 6, verse 17, where this is where God is bringing his people into the promised land. All right, They are conquering a city named Jericho, uh, and, and you'll hear a, a woman named Rahab, who is a, a harlot that is saved in this story. And Pastor Eric preached about it a little bit, but we're going to pick up in verse 17 where it says, Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, Jericho, the city that they're taking, it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. So it's, it's kind of cool. We're already seeing a connection to a, a harlot who, who God is saving from destruction. That's pretty cool. And you by all means abstain from accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things, and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord, they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So Joshua just told his people, don't take of the accursed stuff. Don't take the gold. Don't take the silver because we will be cursed. He says it like five times in that scripture. You're going to be cursed if you do this. Um, and then we pick up in Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. It says, but the children of, Lord, of, of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. So this guy named Achan did what he wasn't supposed to do and brought a curse into the camp. And it's interesting, the word Achan, actually the, the Hebrew translates to troubler. So this guy is named troubler. And what happens? He brings trouble into the camp of Israel. So the next thing that happens is, is Joshua goes to fight the next war because God is bringing them into their promised land. And so they have to take all these cities. And so he sends out some spies to go spy out the next city, A or AI, however you say it. And the spies come back and say, it's not a big deal. You only need to send a few thousand people. We'll take it easy. So Joshua says, all right, here's 3,000 people. Go take it. But here's the thing. They lost. And they had to retreat. And this was shocking for Joshua because up until this point, they hadn't been losing. God had promised them that they were going to have the victories in these battles. So Joshua comes to God and he says, God, what the heck's happening? Like you told me we were going to get these cities. You told me that we were going to have the victory. We can't do this if you're not helping us win. What's going on? And God tells him that trouble has been brought into the camp. 
that someone had disobeyed the order and brought gold and silver into the camp. So to shorten the story a little bit, God helps Joshua narrow down the person, and, and they find Achan, the guy who did this. And Joshua goes up to Achan and says, what have you done? And Achan says, I messed up, I sinned, I brought this into the camp and I wasn't supposed to, it's buried underneath my tent. And so they go and they pull out the spoil and they burn the spoil and they take Achan and they stone Achan, which that's a, a normal occurrence back then when, when someone sins or someone messes up, that they'll die by getting stoned. And then it picks up in Joshua chapter 7, verse 26, after they stone this man, it says, therefore the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. So thus we have the Valley of Achor, or Achor means trouble. Therefore we have the place that there was trouble. And this was believed to happen somewhere around 1400 BC, so a long time ago. And then 750 or 650 years after that, is where the prophet Hosea is, is prophesying on behalf of God. So we just jumped really far into the future, and the Valley of Achor comes up again, which is weird because it's only mentioned one other time in that last, like, 700 years or so. And, and it just happens to come up when Hosea is, is prophesying to the, the people of God. He says, I will give her her vineyards from there and the Valley of Achor as a door of hope. We know what the Valley of Achor is. We know what a door is. We know what hope is. And if we put this all together, what God is saying, I'm going to give you that place that there was trouble as an opportunity for a positive expectation. In other words, the fact that there was trouble, it's a sign that something good can come out of it. The problem and the opportunity, they often go hand in hand because if there's a problem, let me tell you, there's an opportunity. There is a door of hope. Don't let the problem ever stop you from believing the promise. Let me be clear. God doesn't give us trouble. He doesn't. That's not who he is. That's not what he does. If we fast forward another 750 years, we get to Jesus. And he says in John chapter 16, verse 33, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. That's just how the world works. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be tribulation. Jesus told us, hey, you're going to have trouble, but you don't have to fear. You can be of good cheer because I've overcome it, because I am the answer to that trouble that you will encounter. Let the trouble encourage you because if there's opposition, then there's a, a door of hope. There's a good chance that you're on the right track if, if, if the devil's trying to come up against you and trying to stop you, if you're hitting those adversaries. Pastor Eric, the last few weeks, he's, he's been hammering the fact that faith is our victory. The moment that we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that's the moment that we have the victory because Jesus Christ, he's already overcome the world. We have the victory. We've already won. We just have to continue to fight the good fight of faith. Pastor Eric also said uh, last week or the week before, and he pointed out the, the truth that without resistance, there'd be no need for faith. Why would we need God's help on this earth if we didn't encounter any resistance? Because where there's opposition, there's an opportunity. And so I want to encourage you this morning to start looking for that door of hope in whatever situation you find yourself in. No matter what it is, no matter how big it is, no matter what it looks like, no matter how long you've been there. If, if adversaries are coming up against you, if people are coming up against you, if, if situations in life are trying to bring you down, hey, don't fear because there's a door of hope. 
If we start seeing trouble and overlook that door of hope, we're going to miss out on so many opportunities. We're going to miss out on so much that God has for us, so much that he wants to give us. We've got to change that perspective and stop looking at the problem and start looking at the promise. Because if you change your perspective, it'll completely change the way that you see things and it'll completely change the way that you view God and that you believe God. And so whenever there's a problem, don't look at that problem. Look at the promise. Look at what God has said about that situation. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. The message version says, Unrelenting disappointment. If you're continuing to be disappointed, it's going to make you sick. If you're continuing to miss out on that hope. I had this teacher in high school, amazing teacher. I loved her to death. And, and she would show up every class period, with a venti ice hazelnut brevet latte from Starbucks, and she would eat at least one chocolate bar that I would see every single day that we were at school because she loved coffee and she loved chocolate. Those were two of her favorite things. But after a period of time, she started getting sick, and, and she started missing a day of school here and there, and then she'd start missing a couple days of school, and then she'd start missing weeks at a time because she was developing so many health problems. And uh, as the doctors helped her kind of figure out what was going on, there were some other issues. But part of the issue they figured out was that she was seriously allergic to coffee and chocolate. Two of her favorite things, they were actually making her sick. But uh, after a while, so she cut it out for a while, and she started getting better. And then after a while, she started doing it again. She'd start showing up with a, a venti ice hazelnut brevet latte from Starbucks, and she'd start eating chocolate, and I'd ask her about it. Like, I thought you were allergic to those things. And she said, I am. They're just, they're just so good. I, I, can't, I can't help myself. I can't stop it. But she continued to do something knowing that it was making her sick, knowing that it was hurting her. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. If you're continuing to miss out on hope, if you're continuing to live in disappointment, it's hurting you. It's going to make you sick. It's going to continue to bring you down. There's going to be no hope in your life. You're not going to be able to see the promise of God because you're so focused on the problem. You've got to get hope in, in your sight. You've got to hold on to that hope. You've got to look for that door of hope in every situation because it's there. It doesn't matter what the situation is. A door of hope is an opportunity to expect the best, to believe the promise of God. Pastor Eric, uh, he referred me to a man named Major Taylor a few weeks ago. He said, you should really look this guy up. He'd probably make a great sermon illustration. Um, and luckily I did because it fit perfectly with, with what I'm talking about today. A man named Major Taylor. Have any of you ever heard of Major Taylor? Okay. Pretty much no one except Darian and Aaron over here because Aaron is from up Indianapolis or wherever where he's from. Major Taylor, he's a really well-known cyclist. So if uh, a lot of athletes know who this man is. Um, and he's famous because in the late 1800s, he actually became the world champion cyclist at that time. Um, and I read about his story, and it was just really encouraging. And I want to share it with all of you today. I think Brooke's actually got a picture of this man that she's going to show you. Marshall Walter, or Major Taylor, was a black man born November 26, 1878, in Indianapolis, Indiana. At an early age, his father's employers gave Taylor a gift to him, a new bike. Taylor took to it immediately, teaching himself bike tricks that he showed off to his friends. When Taylor's antics caught the attention of a local bike shop owner, he was hired to exhibit his tricks outside the shop to attract more customers. Often he donned a military uniform, which earned him the name Major from the shop's clientele. Taylor entered his first bike race when he was in his early teens, a 10-mile event that he easily won 
By the age of 18, Taylor relocated to Worcester, Massachusetts, and started racing professionally. From there, he pedaled into history. By 1898, so by the time he's 20 years old, Taylor had captured seven world records. A year later, he was crowned national and international champion, making him just the second black world champion athlete, which was a huge deal, especially at that time. Despite his success, Taylor had to withstand racism and prejudice from competitors and fans. He was completely banned from racing in the American South. Many competitors hassled and bumped him on the track, and crowds often threw things at him while he was riding. During one event in Boston, a cyclist named W.E. Becker pushed Taylor off his bike and choked him until police intervened, leaving Taylor unconscious for 15 minutes. An amazing story about overcoming obstacles and, and, and pursuing his, his goal and his dream. But you had to have thought that, that Major Taylor, before he got into cycling, he had to have known what kind of opposition he was up against. Because this racism at the time, it was extremely prevalent. He had to have known that people were going to give him a hard time. He had to have known that there might even be violence, that, that people were going to come against him, that people were going to stop him, that there were going to be adversaries. But he did not let that deter him from the opportunity that was in front of him. He may have seen all that opposition, but he also saw an opportunity for hope. He also saw a chance to become the world's greatest cyclist, which he did become. And there was adversaries along the way. There, was, there were problems. There were things that he had to overcome. But he never let them stop him. He never let them deter him from the goal that he had. Do not ever let that problem deter you from the promise. Because in every situation, no matter how bad, no matter how hard, no matter how scary, no matter how alone you are in that situation, there's always a door of hope. There's always an opportunity to expect God to do something big. I love in, in Zechariah chapter 9 when God is speaking to his people. I'm going to paraphrase it. He's essentially saying, I'm going to save you. And then he says, you prisoners of hope. And that, we, we may have heard prisoners of hope before, but I went back and read it, and it's just so amazing to me. Why would he call them prisoners of hope? Because as, from what I could tell, they weren't exhibiting the characteristics of hope. But he called them prisoners of hope immediately following the part where he says, I'm going to save you. And so that tells me that they're prisoners of hope because God promised them something. The fact that God said he's going to do something is what confined them to that hope because when God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. No adversary, no problem, no foe, nothing can stop God from fulfilling his promise. And so in every situation, in every promise, you don't look at that adversary, be a prisoner of hope. Look to the hope, look to the opportunity because God can and he will move in your circumstance because you have promises from him that say he's going to do just that. So be a prisoner to hope, confine yourself to hope. Make hope a non-negotiable in your life because you're going to experience opportunities that you've never experienced before. You're going to walk in promises that you've never walked in before because your perspective has changed and you're no longer focused on the problem. Now you're focused on the problem. It's a, it's a whole entire mindset thing because if, if the first thing you look at in a situation is the problem, you're probably going to let that deter you. But if the first thing you look at and analyze is not the problem but the promise, then it doesn't matter what the problem 
problem is because Jesus Christ has already overcome that problem. He is the answer. Jesus Christ said, I am the door. I am the opportunity. Jesus Christ is our living hope. He is the hope in the situation. And you never have to be hopeless because there is always hope. There is always a door of hope. It doesn't matter how bad, how dark, how deep, how painful the circumstance is. Seven months ago, we had a, a devastating loss as a church. We lost a student in our youth group named Connor, and many of you were here for that and know that. It was a horrible tragedy. It was the hardest thing that many of us here have ever had to go through. It was rough. And if, if you were here the Wednesday night following that, you'll remember that we chose to come together as a church, and we prayed together, and we made the distinct decision that we were going to look for the good in this situation. Because that's what God does. He takes something bad and he makes it good. He takes something that wasn't intended to happen and, and he makes it good. He makes it beautiful. He brings beauty out of ashes. That's just what God does. And we stood together as a church and we prayed that. God, I thank you that you're going to make all things work together for good. And the truth is, I didn't know how that was going to happen. <laughs> I, mean, I knew that it would, but I didn't know what that could look like. I didn't know how something so scary, something so painful could turn into something beautiful. And then I started thinking about it over the last few weeks. And I'm looking at some of the students that we have over here, and some of them were in here first service this morning. We got Fallon over here, who Fallon started coming to our church a year ago because Connor invited him. And it was a long journey, but November 14th, Fallon stood up here, and he announced to the church that he was giving his life to Christ that night. And then I think about the other students who are not here, but I think about Dellen, who uh, came because of the service. And, uh, you know, it was, it was also a long road for her, but she started realizing that there's acceptance and there's love in this family, and it completely changed her. And a few weeks ago, she came up to me and wanted to get baptized. So last week, we got to baptize Dellen. We have Austin, who sometimes you'll see with us on Sunday morning, started coming because of the service, jumped right in, jumped into the family. September, got baptized. We see Izzy, who was here first service. September, God literally saved her life. And she decided that she was going to give her life to Christ that weekend. And then November 10th, 11th, somewhere around there, she decided to get baptized. Now she's bringing Matthew. Matthew's a part of this family. He's new, but we still love him. Who am I missing? That's Mike. Mike was here first service. He just got baptized a few weeks ago. He's here because of the service that we had for Connor. And that's six people that I just lifted, listed off the top of my head. Who knows how many more? But I'm thinking back to it, the six lives that have changed, dramatically changed because of a tragedy that we had. And, and yeah, we were in some pain at the time. We probably couldn't have imagined what it would look like, but we chose to believe that there was a door of hope. And now we're seeing the, the results of believing in that door of hope, of seeing that door of hope and holding on to the promise of God. That's what we held on to, and that's what we're seeing today. Listen, it doesn't matter what the problem is. It doesn't matter how much it hurts. I promise you there's a door of hope, and you just got to choose to believe it in faith, and it will work out. I promise you it will work out. There's so many of us in here. We've dealt with loss. We've dealt with that defeat. And I, I know Nathan will tell you the same thing. There's a door of hope. It's there. I love there's this, this story of Ezekiel where God is prophesying uh, through Ezekiel. And, and he's giving Ezekiel a vision. 
And he tells Ezekiel to go into the temple, and, and Ezekiel finds uh, a door, uh, he finds a hole in the wall. And God says, stick your hand in the door, and, or in the hole. <laughs> stick your hand in the hole. And Ezekiel sticks his hand in the wall, and it's, he says, dig around a little bit. And he finds a door, which is a bizarre story, right? He's like, why would you find a door hidden in a wall? But it stuck out to me because he didn't expect a door to be there. He couldn't see the door. He had to dig around a little bit, but the door was there. An opportunity is there. You don't know what it's going to look like. You don't know how it's going to pan out. It may be buried underneath the rubble. It may be hidden underneath some of that pain, but the door is there, and the promise of God will never fail you. God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He is there. Jesus Christ is that door of hope in every single circumstance. It doesn't matter how big. Listen, what your doctor says, it's not a prognosis. It's a chance to believe the promise. It doesn't matter how sick he says you are. It doesn't matter how much pain you're in. That's not what we're focusing on. What we're focusing on is the fact that God says it's by Jesus Christ's stripes that we are healed. That healing is the children's bread. That's the promise. We don't focus on the problem. We focus on the promise. When your bills are greater than your income, that's not a deficit. It's a door. It's a door of hope because, hey, the more dead in you're in, the more God can move in your circumstance. The more lack that you're living in, hey, the bigger that miracle is going to be when God gives it to you because there's a door of hope and that promise is yours and nothing can deter it. Hey, the, the bigger the problem, the, the more God can move in your circumstance. And hold on to that because it should actually get to a point where problems should encourage us in a weird way. Problems, we should look at a problem and be excited, be encouraged because it's another challenge to overcome. It's another chance for God to move, for God to show himself, for God to change things so dramatically. That person in your life, maybe a coworker, maybe a family member, but maybe that, that person who's just been angry at you, who's been offended by you, who's been coming at you every step of the way, who's been talking bad about you, that, that you know that person, that we all have those people you know, maybe it's, it's even a child. I, I hear this a lot, and especially being in youth ministry. I hear people refer to children as a problem child or problem children. But listen, that person, they're not the problem. They're not a problem. They're an opportunity to see God move. They're an opportunity to share the love of God like you've never shared it before. The same love that God gave you, that's an opportunity to share that love with other. Pastor Eric talked about a couple weeks ago, last week, about how it's so important to see potential in people. Hey, that person is not a problem. They're potential. That person, maybe you've had that wayward child. Maybe you've had that family member that's far away from you. Hey, it's just an opportunity for God to do something even bigger. And you can keep holding on to that door of hope because it's not going anywhere. Jesus Christ is our rock, and he's not moving. He's not going to be deterred from your situation. He's there, and he's not going anywhere. Revelations 3.8 says, See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. Because Jesus Christ is our door. And nothing, nothing can stop that. Nothing can close that door that God's open. Nothing can shut out the hope that's in your circumstance. It's so hard to see that hope. It's so hard to grasp it. It's so hard to visualize it. It's so hard to comprehend it. How can you expect something good when there's something bad going? It just doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. But by faith, it's there, and it's yours. And I promise you, your life is going to change as a result. Guys, family, the door is open this year. 
This is the year that things change for every single one of you and for us as a church. The door is open. This is the year that your situation turns around. This is the year that what you've been believing for is going to come to pass. It will because the door is open. And I want all of you to receive that this morning because it's the truth. This is the year that you step into that victory. This is the year that what was lost is going to be redeemed, that God's going to restore everything to you. This is the year that the door is open in every area of your life and go through every day of your life looking for that door and seeing it. Don't be deterred by the problem. Don't be deterred by the circumstance because the promise is still there. It's still standing and it's not moving. The door is open and you can have a positive expectation of good. Get excited. It's just another challenge. It's just another victory. It's just another thing that we get to overcome. It's open for all of you and I hope, I hope you all believe that today because it's the truth. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for bringing us all together as a church and as a family. I thank you that you've opened the door, God, and no man, no person, no situation, nothing can shut that door. That you've opened the door in their finances, you've opened the door in their relationships, you've opened the door in their workplace, God, and they're going to see that door, and they're not going to look at the problem, God, they're going to look at the solution, which is Jesus Christ. God, I thank you that you're encouraging every single person here this morning that whatever they have need of, God, you are that answer. And I thank you that as they leave here, God, they're just going to see that door everywhere. They're going to start expecting it in every situation. And I thank you that their lives will change, their lives will improve, that they will experience the promises of God like they've never experienced before. I thank you for healing broken hearts here this morning. I thank you for encouraging those that, that may be discouraged. Like only you can do, God. I thank you that you're their comforter. You're their peace that passes all understanding. That you will guard their hearts and their minds, God. That you're speaking to them. You're leading them. You're guiding them. You're protecting them. And we love you, Father. And I thank you for bringing us together as a family to declare this this morning. The door is open, God. We believe that. And we're expecting that as a church and as individuals. So thank you, God, for bringing opportunities like never before. Thank you, God. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.